Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, I'm Craig and welcome to another episode of Football Kit Memories. Today I meet comic actor Alex Lowe, who is perhaps best known as comedy psychic medium Clinton Baptiste. In our chat, Alex talks to me about treading the boards with Kenneth Branagh, developing the Clinton Baptiste character originally shown on Peter Kay's Phoenix Nights in 2001, and we covered a spooky goings-on from across the UK whilst on tour. Later, I asked Alex to pick out three of his favourite football shirts and tell me a little bit about what they mean to him. There's a QPR shirt from a season where Alex walked out at Loftus Road as a club mascot, Clive Allen's FA Cup final away shirt, and we find out why Alex's son adopted Wolverhampton Wanderers as the new family team. You can listen to this and other episodes of Football Kit Memories on all major audio platforms including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Please do remember to like, follow and share, but above all, enjoy the podcast. Okay, so today on the podcast, I'm delighted to say I'm joined by a comic actor, Alex Lowe. How's it going, Alex? Yeah, not too bad. Thanks for having me, Craig. Delighted to be here. Fantastic, mate. Now, look, uh, I'm probably most aware of your work as the, uh, the comic kind of clairvoyant character, Clinton Baptiste. And I want to talk to you about Clinton in a moment, but I wanted to kind of go back to the start for you. You've got a, you're kind of classically trained actor, right? Well, I was a child actor. You know, right. I, I was in uh, Mansfield Park for the BBC when I was 15. Uh, 14, I was in Another Country in the West End, which then became the film. Wow. I did a lot of work with Kenneth Branagh and, you know, Rupert Everett at that time. And so, honestly, I was a, a child actor. It's the only thing I've ever done, thank God. Um, and then I did my degree in drama at Leicester Polytechnic, which was... I don't know whether the kids still use the phrase Mickey Mouse, but it really was a Mickey Mouse degree. It was a terrible degree. Really? Really arty-farty uh, nonsense. Okay. But it sort of, I think the great thing was about that degree course was that um, it, it taught us a sense of self-sufficiency. You know, when we left, we'd had no, no uh, facilities there, really. And it sort of taught us that actually there wasn't ever and no one was ever going to throw you a bone particularly which is kind of great right. great training for a, a, a career of misery and uh <laughs> disappointment <laughs> well you say it's mickey mouse but you've had a lot of success right you've done all sorts of things over the years um you, you kind of done tv you've done radio yeah. as well as you know treading the boards like you say yeah yeah um, what's what's been the kind of favorite thing that you've done well honestly uh you know for a long time i, I did i did like four films in my first four years of being an actor and it was sort of so fantastic and unlike so many people will tell you in the arts there's never any 
natural progression it seems you know it, it does it's not like any other career i often feel like i'm having the longest apprenticeship anyone has ever had in any job right uh, i'm 53 now and i would say honestly uh, the the thing that i've enjoyed that thrills me the most is touring as clinton baptiste which is a character i played on phoenix nights like 20 years ago yeah and i was touring this show which I wrote and it's kind of an hour of me and it was going so well and I was just loving it. And then COVID came and it just stopped exactly halfway through. Right. I couldn't believe it. You know, after all these years of sort of knocking at the door and I've had so many pilots and things that I've done. And yeah. uh, at last, you know, it, I just thought if I never ever have to do anything else again, to be touring around the country and people complain about staying in hotels. Hey, what's not to like, you know, <laughs> staying in a hotel. It's great. Yeah. And it was up and down the country uh, with my stage manager, Alex Winter. We had a great laugh, had comedians supporting me. It was like the perfect job. Right. And it sort of stopped dead. So I'd say uh, touring Clinton, which is going to happen again with my new show. Fantastic. Very much the, the, the best thing I've ever done. And I, and I love it. I can't wait to do it again. Right. So, I mean, look, as, you know, as you say, everything is on pause and I'm sure, you know, you built up so much momentum with the character. Yeah. I, I wanted to ask you, what made you decide? So it appeared on Phoenix Nights in 2001, is it? A long yeah, time ago. that's what, it. Yeah. What made you decide to kind of revive the character and kind of build on it more and expand it? Well, I mean, at the time I, I said to Peter Kay, you know, I really think this would be a great, I was looking for a sort of stand-up character to do yeah. on the circuit. And I thought this is a no-brainer, a kind of really cheesy end of the pier clairvoyant medium. And I don't think Peter wanted me to do it at that time. And I didn't really press it. Okay. And then I did another little bit in, do you remember when he did that Jesus Christ superstar? It's got the X factor. Remember yeah. that thing? So I did a little bit in that. And that was still early days, I think, uh, for taking it out on tour. And then when we did um, Phoenix Nights Live in 2015 at Manchester Arena, which was so thrilling, it's like 14,000 people a night turning up. Uh, I just said to Peter, I really would still love to do this as a stand-up. Yeah. And he said, that's fine. There's, you know, and I, I sort of run everything by Peter. I don't want him to think I'm taking the piss. I mean, it's his character and Neil Fitzmaurice and Dave Spikey's character, really. They wrote it. Um, but thankfully, they haven't, you know, they've all been fine about me doing it. And uh, touch wood, you know, they're, they're, I think if I... I don't know. I mean, they just seem to be fine about me doing it. And, and it's, right. it's great. I don't like to rock the boat too much. What, so gonna... really since then, you know, that's, that's when it's taken off. Right. I was going to ask you, so do you, so all the stuff you've done with him in recent years, do you write all that stuff yourself or are you still collaborating with him? No, no, I write it myself. I mean, I have people, you know, for example, we do an internet show, which we've been doing on a Thursday night in lockdown. Yeah. And I've had some great people uh, writing with me. Sam Delaney, of course, has done this show. Uh, Simon London, the, the comedy producer. Right. Um, you know, we sort of between us get together and, and write this stuff. And those guys are so funny. I've now asked Simon London to help me write my next live show, which I, I was kind of going great guns with. I thought, oh, yeah, this is nearly done. And now I think, actually, it could really do with Simon to yeah. chip in, you, you know, it's never going to be any worse. It's going to be great, you know, uh, gag it up a bit. Yes. Tell, tell me what doesn't work and what does. So, um, yeah, it's been, that's been quite good from that point of view, you know, but no, it's not really through 
uh, the old guard of Neil and Dave. It's just, I mean, you know, Clinton now has a kind of rich history and I've got three yeah. podcasts out, series of podcasts, and uh, I've got my new series of the podcast coming out and I've done bits of filming as Clinton and all that. Well, I was going to ask you, I mean, you've developed it so much. So there's stuff yeah. on YouTube that I've seen, the podcast, so you've got three series so far. It's really fantastic. Yeah. It's really fun. Oh, really great. Cool. And you've developed it so much. Um, yeah. What I wanted to ask you, like, how does the live show work? What does he do? Does he give readings to people in the audience and stuff? Or well, yeah, I do, and and that is the bit they love the most. Now, <laughs> I really, really hope I'm still allowed to go out there and get up close to people. I bought a long boom mic holder, <laughs> so <laughs> people get a bit funny about me getting close. Um, I'm hoping, I really hope, I can still do that and get amongst people because that's the bit they absolutely love. Yeah. And they're sort of terrified I'm going to come near them. But, I, you know, I'm not I'm not a sort of nasty comedian. I think I'm quite a nice. But I think people can tell that I'm never really going to upset them. But yeah. the whole thing of Clinton is that he's very undiplomatic and he is just clumsy and he says whatever the first thing that comes into his head, no matter how shocking. Yeah. So that has got me in trouble before. But I think when an audience comes to see you, uh they know sort of what to expect if it's my audience you know they know what to expect but yeah, yeah so there's readings in the audience and uh this latest show is all about clinton he's been away in las vegas right. uh the idea is that it's less a residency more he got stuck there in covid and had to stay there <laughs> uh so what i really want to do with this tour as opposed to the first one is just take it up a notch so it's the production values are sort of bigger has been a budget spent rather than the homemade rubbish I went out on tour with which was all my own prop making which is frankly terrible uh so now it's it's you know we've injected a bit of money into it and the idea is that Clinton's just gone up in the world a little bit and so he talks about his time in Vegas right and his his road to Damascus discovery that actually all that glitters ain't gold okay I mean of course this sounds very worthy really it's just a means of couching a lot of smarty jokes <laughs> into an hour and 10 minutes. You know? Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So it's, uh, I think it's really going to be really funny and God knows I've had enough time to prepare. So sure, yeah. well, by the time I get out in September, you can't say I haven't had long enough to get the thing together. So <laughs> let's, let's hope it continues apace, you know? Nice. I look forward to that. So Cheers. What, what I wanted to ask you is, um, have you ever had any feedback from the, the clairvoyant community i guess if that's a thing like yeah know, real, real I, people in that industry i have various i mean honestly these people come to the gigs i always think the thing is about clinton is that no disrespect to anyone who's selling secondhand cars or yeah you know, but the fact is if he wasn't doing this he would be doing something dodgy right. it's not He's not really 100% dedicated to being a clairvoyant. It just so happens this serves his purpose, his rather underhand purpose. Yeah. So I'm not in the business of taking the piss out of people who believe in a higher power or, you know, spirits and mythology and, and, and sacred stuff that's sacred to them. I'd hate anyone to think, you know, and I'm not there to take the piss out of people who have died. That's not really the point. <laughs> it's just a nice conduit for for you know for sort of gags so people turn up and um i did a gig in twickenham for example at the bearcat and a woman turned up and i could hear her coming to the dressing room i'd done my bit i was keen to just go home right, right. and i heard her say is he in here i thought oh shit, oh, shit. she came in 
It's just, it's all very funny what you're doing. I get, I get it. It's a very good parody of what we do. But she was, she worked or she was somehow involved with the College of Parapsychology, which is in West Kensington or something. And she said, right. I just want to tell you that your whole family were up there on the stage behind you. And I'm thinking well, it's a very, very small stage. So how they all got on there, I don't know. <laughs> and then she said, um, and for the second part of your act, your nan, your old nan was there behind you. And I went, oh, right. What did right. she look like? She, she looked a lot like you. I was thinking, oh, fuck, there's a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> He's a blood relative. It's my grandmother. <laughs> and then, but then she said, your little dog was there. And I thought, blimey, well, we did have a little dog that died. Ooh not that long ago so you know to be honest with you i'm i really i have my own sort of spiritual belief and and feeling it's not really couched in a formal religion right so right. i'm not i'm not as i say, i'm not taking the piss out of those people it's just that clinton is clearly a charlatan he's mm. like the sort of clairvoyant mediums we used to have in Freshers Week who would come to <laughs> Leicester Polly, you know, and do, oh, why are you eating an onion, Alex? What's going on? You're conducting a big orchestra. It's just all crap. Yeah, 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 yeah. When you hear this music, you'll start pulling your trousers down. I mean, that's not really anything to do with <laughs> spirituality. It's just no. kind of getting a cheap <laughs> laugh, isn't it? Just sort of what Clinton does. So... Where beyond the kind of live shows, where would you like to kind of take the character? Well, I mean, I would really, really love to do a TV show of some kind. Yeah. With me and Simon and Sam Delaney, we've been doing this show on the internet, which we really, really take very seriously. We have endless writing meetings. We do a tech run. You know, we have last minute gags. Occasionally wow. they're texting me stuff during the show, which I can never read because I'm too busy on the screen. Yeah. But it, it, we treat it so seriously. And, you know, it sort of feels a bit like the Brave New World. You can do your own broadcast. I mean, look at us here now. You can. Yeah. There's so many platforms now. There's really no excuse for not getting stuff out there. But it would be nice to not be doing it where I am now, which is in my converted garage, right. relying on a little camera in my laptop. You know, it yeah. would be lovely to have some budget and and you know, uh, 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 what do you call that? A mixing gallery, you know, a, a, a gallery where everyone's sat up production gallery yeah. and cameras and lights and all that. So I'd love one of the big broadcasters to kind of get hold of it. But if they don't, similarly, we have complete autonomy over it. You know, yeah. if we think something's funny, it doesn't go up through a, a variety of higher echelons of management and accountants who go, yeah, don't really like that joke. Yeah, You yeah. know, you just... It's great to be, you make a decision, this is funny. Oh, yeah, I wrote that, put it out there. And it's a kind of meritocracy if people want to watch it. And they have been watching three or 400 people. Yeah. It's great, you know. I mean, it, it kind of gets it out there. And it's, it's, an, it's an honest reflection of what you can do. Yeah. Not someone else's idea that's been watered down. Well, get this man a commission, I say. It deserves to be on oh. TV. I really enjoy it. Oh, please. I really, I would love that. And I'm, I'm hoping... Look, if I'm really honest, this is a kiss of death saying this now, but I'm really hoping that the tour, because it was selling out last time we did it, if we go out again and it sells just as well, people might say, oh, God, what's that tour that keeps selling yeah, out? How yeah. come they keep adding dates to this? And it would just become a sort of irresistible thing. I don't yeah. really want to spend my entire career knocking on doors and then having a meeting about a meeting about a meeting. You know? Yeah. 
Um, so Alex, look, spirits are fading now. I've got one more question yes. before we talk about your football show. Okay. Uh, yeah. What's the spookiest, scariest, most paranormal thing that's ever happened to you in real life? Oh, that is great, isn't it? What a good idea. Well, I tell you what, there, I do have various stories that happened to my dad and um, his brother after my granddad died. Right. But that didn't really happen to me. But there is one thing that I, that occasionally pops into my head that many, many years ago, uh, I was with my cousins. We were down in Highcliffe near Bournemouth. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was a place we used to go. We had a caravan there. My grandma had a caravan and all the cousins were playing one time. It was not long after my granddad died. And we were all playing on this sort of this giant sort of boat that swang swung in this in this park yeah and my cousin Alison said look there's granddad and we looked over and we could see this guy who was the spit of my granddad who kind of Ooh. looked at us and then walked away now it's crossed my mind it could have been some kind of pedophile staring at us <laughs> and it wasn't him at all but it was scarily you know uh like him and for yeah. her to pick him out of this crowd and then for us to sort of see him that that has freaked me out and i think we were all slightly freaked out that there was clearly it was him in the, in the distance watching us uh that occasionally i think about but as i say it, equally it might not have been him uh you know who knows but i mean i i am sort of often waiting for something really spooky to happen yeah. and um i'm quite open-minded about that stuff i don't i don't want something so spooky that happens and i just go i cannot touch clinton again well, that is it it's that would be terrible it? back on you doesn't it then it's kind of a well know. it does yeah what was that film recently about the zoom call and oh. the guy you know that thing and the guy sort of recreated it for his own movie yeah and did it in lockdown but yeah. the thing that always sticks in my mind about that is that in that script, the, the, the ghosts focus on him because he's the guy who's actively taking the mickey out of contacting spirit. So yeah. I keep waiting for something to happen. I, and if there's anyone listening, please don't let it happen because I've got to earn no. some money. <laughs> oh dear, right. We'll, 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 uh, we'll stop that conversation right now in case anything does happen. Hey everyone, I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Thank you. 
So something, something a bit lighter. Um, yes. A question I ask everybody on the podcast. Um, what do football shirts mean to you? Oh, well, what do they mean to me, football shirts? Well, I mean, I love, this sounds re- this sound really pretentious and uh, wanky. Can I say wanky? Am I say what to say you that? want, mate. Yeah, yes. It might sound a bit pretentious, but I, you know, coming for sort of, from a sort of theatrical standpoint, I really love the theatre of football. Right. I go to football with my son. I'm a season ticket holder at Molyneux, of all things. Oh, right. Uh, just, just because my, I was a big QPR fan. And I stuck a picture of QPR versus Wolves on the fridge when Steve, when Sylvain Ebanks Blake scored to take Wolves up, and it just was a great picture of one of our defenders yeah. with a sort of blood-soaked bandage. And I just okay. it was a great picture. My son went for the wrong ones. Oh, typically he went for bloody Wolves. So now I'm seeking to get older there. Right. But he often says to me that what I do, and I know I do. I'm not. I'm not great at tactics. I I can't tell you half the time who had a good game and who had a bad game. I just love the kind of theatre of it. Yeah. I like the colour. I like the shirts. I like the sort of heroes and villains. The whole thing's like a sort of panto. There's those yeah, yeah, yeah. Who've, who played well. The referee's good. The referee's bad. The fans were singing this. Those fans sang that back. The absolute power and adrenaline. of You cannot beat it for entertainment. Yeah, You yeah, cannot yeah. beat a day out of the football for entertainment. Even a, a boring game. There's something about turning up and the green of the grass and the smell of the thing yeah. and the and the tannoy echoing and the sort of... I just love everything about it. And I think the sort of colour of the shirts and pinning your hopes on that colour, you know. I mean, I'm looking next to me now. I've got a QPR Guinness, which my son got me for uh, Christmas or my yeah. birthday. And it's just the old QPR Guinness shirt. Right in, right, in cushion form. Oh, nice! And, it, and immediately you see that it has a kind of Pavlovian effect on you. You're like, yeah, I, yeah, I don't remember. And it sort of reminds me of the times at Loftus Road, looking at yeah. that. So, yeah, football shirts. I think, um, I mean, I've never been one particularly going out wearing one in a social gathering, but um, I don't know. You know what it's like. Immediately, it just invokes something in you. It makes you feel it, it feels something. It's a huge part of the experience for you kind of thing. It's all about the theatre yeah. as much as what happens off the pitch as on it kind of thing. Yeah, I, I like the I like the spectacle. I love the spectacle of the whole thing. Yeah. And that's why it's been so horrible not seeing the crowds. Of course, you've yeah, been a season so... ticket order. That must be tough as well. Oh, it really is. And, you know, my son and I, you know, it's, it's our absolute bonding thing to get yeah. the train from Watford, from Watford Junction. And... Um, you know, he's in his shirt and all that. And uh, it is, it's such a bonding thing. And we have, I'm sure loads of your guests have said this, that it's the ritual of the whole thing. And he'll wear his shirt and he'll wear his shirt when the football's on, uh, on the telly even. But the whole thing of getting up there on the train, getting there in good time, walking to the ground, let's go to the posh burger place that they've now got outside the Steve Bull, you know, it, that I love everything about it, you know, it's, and it's well worth going all the way up there and all the way back. I keep waiting for the, the horror because no one really, I'm sure lots of people said this about their clubs. The club has not really been in touch about the season ticket because they don't really know what to say. They don't know when it's coming back. No one's really said anything. And I've got this mortal terror that somehow everyone's sorted and my season <laughs> ticket has disappeared. It, it can't have done. 
But um, you know what I mean? I, it, yeah. the, the horror of losing that ticket now, because there'll be a list as long as your arm now for course, to see yeah. Wolves forever. But uh, when we got a ticket, you could get them, you know, giving them away. But now yeah, yeah. the success has meant that uh, there's a long waiting list. That's really interesting. So should we talk about your first shirt? It's, yes. the, it's the QPR home shirt from 79-80 season. It's by Adidas. It's beautiful. It's a classic. Tell me more, mate. Well, I think it was. It just came after the, you know, we had 75-76, the most famous history QPR ever had, where we came runners-up to Liverpool. Right. Ironically, beat Wolves to, to win the champion, to win the title. And I suppose it was just when I had... You know, I'd experienced that season. Probably the first season I can remember for QPR because I was about eight at the time. Okay. And then I was just that little bit older and started following them. And then we had a couple of miserable seasons. But it was just at that time that I probably about that age of what was I? What what, what was it? Nineteen seventy nine to eighty nine, eighty. Yeah. Yeah. So I was about eleven when you're absolutely. It was just I was steeped in it, QPR, Obsessed, my absolute yeah. heroes. And now, after I've had a couple of drinks, occasionally I go on the internet and look up Stan Bowles and <laughs> Tony Curry and all the rest of them. You know, I'm sort of obsessed <laughs> with those guys. You know, it's like your childhood heroes. Yeah. I mean, I work with I work with all kinds of amazing actors, but if I meet a footballer from QPR. It's so thrilling. You know, they're like my absolute God. But about that time in that season, I was a mascot against West Ham. We won 3-0. Right. Uh, it was quite galling because, it, you know, any other, it was during the ITV uh, TV strike. And any other time, that would have been on the telly and it would have been oh. me trotting out the tunnel. Right. But it wasn't, wasn't to be. But we beat them uh, 3-0 and Stan Bowles was uh, playing and Tony Curry and, uh, you know, all, all the greats from QPR in that day. Chris Woods was in goal. Glenn Roder sadly lost him recently. Of course, yeah. Terrible. Um, so, yeah, it, it, was, it was kind of that. And it's about the shirt specifically. Those, you know, those, they're this iconic, those Adidas stripes, stripes on the arms yeah. that went sort of down the arms. It looked, it sort of looked athletic didn't it? Mm. it sort of said athleticism it said sport it wasn't yeah. just sort of qpr's old shirts were a bit sort of rugby like you know right right it right. said it had a touch of the flash about them in the same way that starsky and hutch might have had that <laughs> uh, that white stripe down their red car <laughs> this said excitement it said sport endeavor yeah. power you know energy Modern era. nice yeah i like that i like that what was uh, loftus road like back then well, when I was a mascot that time, of course, we had the loft, the loft end. And it was like a big old shed of a place. And I really liked it. When I look at, oh God, down the home end, down the Loftus Road end now, it's a tiny, pathetic excuse for a terrace. It used to be a big, mighty thing, absolutely rammed. If you look at right. old big match, you know, they do reruns of the big match on ITV4 yeah, or what yeah, have yeah. you. You see this big, seething group, which has been lost to football as far as I can see anyway. It's all seater and all there's the safe standing and all that sort of stuff. And it, it was kind of big and sort of a bit grotty and sort of yeah. real. And now in the middle of that bloody Loftus Road end, there's even a kind of huge emergency exit, sort of virtually right behind the goal. So you don't right. get that, that kind of surge or you don't get the sort of, you know, power of all those fans and energy of all them in together. There's even a great big gap so we can get out. <laughs> it's like, 
So I don't get that. And I would, I mean, I'm really excited about, for example, Molyneux are going to, uh, the word is they're going to have this, this enormous. Um, Safe standing. Yeah. It, it, at the South Bank, you know, which, yeah. which hopefully we'll get a season ticket in. Amazing. But, so I miss that, those huge terraces. I would love to see that again. I mean, if it has to be safe standing, so be it. But but just that, oh, that rubbishy little thing behind the goal, Loftus Road, it really depresses me. <laughs> okay, so should we move on to your second shirt, which is a QPR shirt again. It's a different one. It's an away shirt by Adidas. It's from the 81 to 82 season. Yeah. Well, this is when Rangers got into the FA Cup final against Spurs. I've got in my possession Clive Allen's actual red shirt from uh, that from the FA Cup final. And I think he limped off after a while. I seem to remember he didn't play for the whole game. Right. But my uncle, who was deputy chairman at QPR, managed to pick it up at an auction. Was always wow. picking up this amazing stuff. And bless him, when he died, I you know I was given this by my cousins, which is great. And that's got pride of place in my office. Um, but the thing I remember particularly about that shirt, and I'd love to think it's the same shirt. I don't know whether it is. I don't know whether they had hundreds of shirts in those days or whether they just had one or two. Yeah. But Clive Allen, when he scored the um, winner, the only goal against West Brom in the semi-final at Highbury, that's probably one of my favourite goals. And it's just, at the time, people always said it bounced off his foot and went, not a bit of it. Oh, right. If you're a poacher like that, I don't know if you ever, you'll never remember it, but it was in front of the North Bank and all QPR had the North Bank. Yeah. And he comes in and there's a, there's a sort of strange ricochet. I think um, Bob Hazel miscontrols it. And the defender goes to clear it and Clive Allen just puts his foot out and it kind of bounces off his foot past the keeper. Right. And I just remember him doing almost a Mick Shannon style windmill celebration <laughs> in, front of the, in front of the QPR fans. And it was the greatest moment, one of the greatest moments of my life. Yeah, you know, and it was it was great to see a massive, massive terrace of Rangers fans, and it, you almost knew that was the thing that was going to win it because it was been real deadlock up to that I point. It, right. Okay. And it was, and I can watch that one. I mean, when I've had a few drinks on the internet, I can watch that over and over again. So I'm hoping that's the bloody shirt he was wearing. <laughs> I hope it is. So did you did you go to the final? I went to the final because my uncle got us tickets. Of course, like gold dust in those days. Yeah. Yeah. And then we, Terry Fennick uh, got an equaliser right at the very end of the match. I mean, it was just amazing. And then we had the replay and I couldn't go because I was in the play Another Country in the West End. Oh, right. Wow. And uh, with, of all people who was allowed to go, this is amazing. Do you know the comedian Hal Cruttenden? I don't know. Hal Cruttenden, who he does, he's a, he's a brilliant stand-up comic and he does loads. Right. He was in the Royal Variety performance not long ago. Okay. He, we both, in those days, when you're sort of a young lad under 16, you can you have to share a part, you know, on the stage. Right. You're not allowed to do the whole run just because it's, you know, you're a young lad. You don't want to be working the whole time. Okay. And he was, we were both sharing the part, you know. And so he was allowed to go. He, he was not working that night. Oh, no. I, yeah. And he's a bloody Spurs fan. So oh, he no. went to the match and then they, and they nicked it from they that dodgy it. Glenn Hoddle. Yeah, dodgy Glen so, <laughs> Oddle penalty. Who's your team, Craig? Uh, I'm a Celtic fan. Oh, okay, right, right. Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, so, are you kind of glad that you didn't go, bearing in mind the result, or would you have preferred to have been there? 
I think I really wanted to go. I, I and also Rangers played so well and were, were robbed really, and we had a goal disallowed and we hit the crossbar and all sorts, and it, they just absolutely threw everything at it. So yeah, I wish I'd have gone. And of course, you always think if I'd have gone, things might have been different. Right, of course, of course. Yeah. That, how are things at the club at the moment? Um, are you still are you more of a Wolves fan now, or are you still following the club? Or well, I'm ashamed to say that I've. My loyalties are not divided. I just, my son, you know, he started going to Wolves or getting interested in Wolves at seven years old. So he's now 17. He could probably go on his own, but we've got these season tickets. And as I say, it's great fun to be together. So I'll be entirely honest with you. I have to follow Wolves more than Rangers. There's going to come a time soon when he goes to university where I'll be back at Loftus Road. Right. but I mean, the amazing thing is, and people will say, oh, that's cheating. But to feel passionate about two teams you go and see yeah. is really an extraordinary thing. You know, it's, yeah, it's yeah. a double, double the delight. Yeah, um, yeah. So QPR at the moment, yeah, they've picked up, I think, haven't they? I, um, I've watched them a few times on this very unsatisfactory sky, no, no replays thing they do, yeah. you know, press the red button. Yeah. Uh, no one in the ground. I mean, it's it's not really as I like to see football, but I think they've not been too bad. They've really picked up. They they would they win something like fourteen on a row, or they were unbeaten, or something fantastic. Right. Uh, so I think there, there's there's some promise there. It's I would like to see them have some ambition and try and get up to the Premiership. They seem quite happy to just stay put. But yeah, what do I know? It's all about money, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Well, it might be nice, you know, you might get the kind of home and away tyres in the Premiership. That'd be a really nice scenario, right? That would be nice. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. that would be really great. But the other thing is my poor wife, I never see her otherwise. And if I'm (laughs) going to go on tour and go and see Wolves and QPR, I think I'll be uh, out of the year. (laughs) Yeah, they will be trouble, trust me. (laughs) So it's a nice segue. It moves us on to your third choice, which is a Wolverhampton Wanderers shirt. It's from the 2010 to 2011 season. And it's by a Swiss brand called Birda. Yeah. You've chosen this one. Well, it really, you know, it reminds me of that time when we first got into Wolves. Yeah. And we went to the first match at Craven Cottage. And my poor lad, I just don't think he realised there was (laughs) such a thing as losing. Oh. And we went one nil up, and I was in that area. The great thing about because we couldn't get tickets, we couldn't get away tickets. But at Craven Cottage, of course, you can go in that neutral area. Yes. And so we went right next to the Wolves fans. And my son, I mean, at seven, he was completely blown. You know, when they score, and that first time, that absolute <laughs> eruption freaked him out. But then, of course, and it was an occasion where. Um, uh, what's his name? Oh my god! Well, Bobby Zamora's leg got broken. Oh right, okay. By uh, oh god, I can't remember who it was, but anyway, his leg got broken, and then uh, uh, Fulham got a free kick and scored right at the end. And it's almost from that moment onwards that Wolves went into decline. It, I can literally, and it was like the first match we went to, and it, they dropped two divisions, which we've just stuck with, and so that shirt, although. <laughs> it reminds me of losing every time we went we must have been t- the first six or seven matches we went to yeah. we lost and and time after time and time it would end up with my lad in tears going all the way back to Watford where we live 
And did you um, try and convince him then to support QPR? Is there, mate, was it not an help for him or he just wasn't interested? He, he is a contrarian, my lad. He, <laughs> he almost knew when he went for Wolves, it was because my team was the other one. I mean, he, he knew, except when you're seven, you know, and you see that wolf on the badge. Yeah. It's cool. a bit, of course, it's like there's a team called Wolves and there's a wolf as the badge. It's really appealing, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that the yeah, that kit it reminds me of that and and I've got I managed this guy over the road who knew Michael Mancien who ended up playing for Forest and the like yeah but he he was a, a Wolves player at the time and somehow we got very kindly he gave us this shirt and signed it oh nice so he's got that hanging in his room but it it really is just a great reminder of that first time we went yeah and so that. That shirt is really evocative for me. And of course, it was the shirt they were wearing on Survival Sunday. Do you remember where it was like one of about five or six teams yes. to go down? Yeah. And, was that that and season? We, that was that season. Oh, and wow. We were there. It was just brutal. Uh, and, uh, you know, we had, um, of course, uh, uh, oh my God, what's his name? See, I'm so old. I can't remember anyone's <laughs> name now. Anyway, uh, who was it who scored that goal? Uh, well, anyway, we Stephen stayed up. Or Stephen, Hunt? Uh, Stephen Hunt. Stephen, Stephen Hunt. Hunt. Right. Well done. Very good. <laughs> Stephen Hunt scored this fantastic goal, which sort of kept us up. Right. Um, and so, you know, we were 3-0 down at half time, and I was saying to my lad, do you want to go home? Oh. So I thought, this is a disaster. We'd gone all the way. It was so exciting. But we were so down, and I thought, I don't want to be here if we lose 6-0 and, oh, wow. and go down. And go down, God. And and I think statistically we could still stay up. We, or, we, or we just had to score a goal at that stage. But anyway, we stayed up and it was just a wonderful, wonderful day. So yeah. that shirt reminds me of that. Fantastic, mate. Well, look, that's three fantastic choices. Thanks so much great. for taking the time for a chat. Really enjoyed it. Oh, that's great. And to any of my QPR friends, I haven't, you cut me in half. I'm still blue in my hoops, right? <laughs> So, so Alex, kind of, where should people look out? So, we need to. Is is the dates for the tour out yet, Clinton? Yeah, the the tour seems to be getting longer. Thank God. Uh, It's if you please, please, and I mean this because I don't want to be going out there and everyone deciding that COVID is still a thing. I'm I'm playing somewhere that's echoing to the sound of my own voice. (laughs) So please turn up. It's at clintonbaptiste.com forward slash live. And you'll find the tour, and the, the tour is called Stratospheric. Right. Uh, there's things like Hackney Empire on the fourth of September. Thirteen hundred seats to fill. So please bring your friends. Fantastic. And there's a fourth yeah. um, series of the podcast coming too. Fourth series of the podcast is coming out, and it's got all the favourites. It's got Ramon with uh, his spirit guide Stephen Hawking's, <laughs> and we've got we've got a new thing which is Yuri Geller. <laughs> it's great. Excellent. Clinton, Clinton wants to support Yuri Geller and uh, keeps asking Yuri Geller. Uh, so there's loads of great stuff. And I really, you know, I'm quite pleased with it. It's, it's a, a return to the stuff we did in the studio. Right. On the third one, we had a healing festival where he yes. went, which was hell to record because, you know, no one was around and it was all done in lockdown. Oh, and okay. this one is similar to the first two in that it's a lot of phone calls into the studio. Nice. So please have a listen. I'll get that out as soon as I possibly can. I want to get that out. Fantastic. Well, look, Alex, thanks so much and great to speak to you. Uh, Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. So there you have it. Massive thanks to Alex for sharing his football kit memories with me. 
You can follow me and my own collection on Instagram or get in touch via Twitter or email. Do look out for Clinton's tour and his podcast. There's links to those in the show notes. The music you heard was produced by Eva Led. Check out his music on his band camp. There's links to that in the show notes too. And other than that, spirits are fading. I'll catch you next time.